China is basically setting up these little kind of defense type offices to monitor, monitor their own citizens. Police stations, and they, police stations here in the U.S. Police station, and even here in the U.S. And I guess I would say to the balloon issue that you're talking about, I guess I would say to all of that that this is actually prophetically significant because the name China is not found in Bible prophecy, but there's this giant army called the Kings of the East that will basically move across the Euphrates River one day in God's providence, and they'll destroy in the process a third of the human race as they're making their way to the Battle of Armageddon in northern Israel. I'm of the mindset that John Walvoord was in 1965 when he wrote his Revelation commentary that the Kings of the East could very well be a reference to China. So all of that to say a militant China um, is not, it's kind of um, stunning from the human perspective, but not from the prophetic angle. Yeah. Uh, prophecy update. Here we go. Israel, globalism, persecution, cashless, surveillance society, and Marxism. Let's, let's get into this, please. First one, Israel. Yeah, well, um, basically there's an article there from Israel National News, and you remember the terror attacks that took place last weekend, and I found it very interesting that Macron, who to my mind is sort of the de facto leader right now of Europe, and quite frankly the whole New World Order. In fact, um, if I was uh, a betting man, which I'm not, but if I was betting on who the future Antichrist would be at this point, I would probably put my money on Macron because he seems to fit all of the characteristics. And so the things that he's doing relative to Israel are very interesting to me. And the first thing that came out of his mouth when Israel had that you know, terrorist attack recently in Jerusalem where seven people lost their lives is the first thing that comes out of his mouth is Israel needs to show restraint. Um, and Israel needs to be open to dialoguing with Palestinians. And the reason I find that prophetically significant is because Israel is being forced to do things that no nation should be forced to do or would be forced to do today. I mean, could you imagine someone saying to us after 9-11, hey, America, you better show some restraint, you know, as if uh, it's our fault that we were attacked on 9-11. And so... This is the mindset that Bible prophecy anticipates for the end, where a leader from Europe will enter into a covenant with Israel, and I'm of the persuasion that that covenant, Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, Isaiah chapter 28, verses 15 and verse 18, coming from Europe, could very well be a coerced or forced covenant of some kind. And so when Macron bullies Israel in the wake of a terrorist attack as sort of the de facto leader of the European Union and the New World Order, I, I say to myself, my goodness, I see prophecy coming together. Yeah, in, in that article I showed, we had a picture of Macron and Benjamin Netanyahu standing together. Brings us to Daniel 9, 27, and he, the Antichrist, will make a firm covenant with the many for one week, a short period of time. So, um, yeah, I, I would join you in putting Macron on the short list of potential Antichrist candidates, absolutely. Um, yeah. Because you have said we have made a covenant with death and Sheol, which means hell or Hades, we have made a pact. This is Isaiah 28, 15 through 18. 
Uh, the overwhelming scourge will not reach us when it passes by, for we have made falsehood our refuge, and we have concealed ourselves with deception. Your covenant with death will be canceled, and your pact with Sheol will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge passes through, then you become its trampling place. What does this first mean in the Old Testament of Isaiah? What does that mean? Well, I believe in context it's speaking of the same covenant that you just read about in Daniel 9, 27. And it's communicating that when Israel enters into this covenant with Antichrist, God is not happy. That's the best interpretation I can give, because they've just made a deal with the devil. And of course, the Antichrist is going to verify that, validate that by betraying Israel three and a half years later by desecrating their temple. And so the reason God is not happy is because Israel will be trusting in a false Christ. And anytime God's people trust in something other than himself, he's never happy. And actually, this is something that is needed for Israel to wake up about midway through the tribulation period when the Antichrist betrays them. And so that's why it's talking about a covenant with, you know, Sheol, a pact with death, you know, with with hell. And this uh, Macron, you know, bullying Israel. Um, to me, is setting the stage for this sort of uh, what I would call sort of a coerced a covenant. Right. Look at this next one. Prophecy update. Israel now globalism, World Economic Forum, uh, Daniel seven twenty three again. The fourth beast, the Antichrist on the earth, which will be different from all other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth and tread it down. Here we have Gaia hypothesis. According to Al Gore, we must make the rescue of the environment the central organizing principle for civilization, in quote. Dr. Woods? Yeah, that's what he said in 92. And, of course, we know that he wanted to be president, and thank God he was unsuccessful. And then there was a man named John Kerry who wanted to be president, and thank God he was unsuccessful. But those two guys, Kerry and Gore, and you probably covered this in your other shows, Brandon, spoke recently at the World Economic Forum in Davos, which I think met last week, if I remember right. And basically, they're, you know, you look at their language, and it's found in this article from the Daily Signal. Here it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gore, Kerry, embarrassed U.S. at the World Economic Forum. The article says, thank God these globalist grifters never became president. (laughs) But um, basically, it it records their language, how they're trying to save the planet. And they're doing what Al Gore said in that book, Earth in the Balance, back in 1992, that, you know, the so-called global climate change is a global problem. And we basically need a global solution, which is world government. And the article points out how these guys are blatant hypocrites, you know, just based on how much uh, power Al Gore's home there in Tennessee consumes. I think it consumes like 124 times more than the average home. How much money Al Gore, the article says $330 million, how much he's accumulated off this uh, global warming climate change, thought he was anti free market, you know, and um, John Kerry, the same thing. He parades all over the world in these jets, which emit, you know, a massive carbon footprint. And this is, of course, as you know, Brandon, better than anybody else, this is how Marxism always works. Yep. Uh, There's one set of rules for the elites and a different set of rules for the rest of us. 
these people at Davos have absolutely no intention of living under the same rules that they've imposed on us, but they need this global problem to bring in a global solution. And that's Daniel chapter 7, verse 23, you know, leaping right off the, the pages of ancient scripture into prophetic fulfillment. Yeah. Here, Daniel 7, 25, he will speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints of the highest one, and he will intend to make alterations in times and in law, and they will be given to his hand for a time, times, and half a time. So make alterations in times and in law. I think we know what in, uh, in law means. In times, what, what does that mean in the context of the Scripture? In times, meaning in the, the, uh, the time, of, time of the culture, in that day, in that time, the culture, everything, not just the laws, but the culture itself, everything's going to change? Yeah, if you advance the slides one, um, you'll see Genesis 1.14 there. And it talks about how God on, I believe it's the fourth day of creation, created the times and the seasons and the law. So when it says the, the little horn or the Antichrist is going to make alterations in times and law, what it's saying is he's going to create a world without God in it at all. He's going to erase, you know, the influence of God. Now, I know, Brandon, you gave a talk recently on the Bible and the Great Global Reset. I know they didn't give you a, a lot of time to give your presentation. But, you know, if you had had time, this would have been a great verse to work into it as well. Maybe you did, for all I know. I, I did watch it, but I don't no, I, I did, making... no, I did, I, I went to Genesis 3, not Genesis 1. You're right. Thank you. But, but if you look at Daniel 7.25, that's the great global reset in the Bible. They're trying to create a world without God in it. That's what reset means. Um, uh, reset the earth. Uh, reset the human race. Reset the order of things as if God never existed at all. And that's... Um, Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, that's the significance of the Antichrist coming and erasing the times and the law, which is something established by God in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. It's like the French Revolution. Yeah. When they, they came in and they wanted to erase the uh, seven-day week, you know, because that reminds us of Genesis, and they wanted to erase, you know, B.C. and A.D. from the calendar, because that reminds us of Jesus that's what these Davos people are all about. Let's go to the next one. Israel, globalism, persecution. Dr. Woods, let's go to persecution. Revelation 17, verses 6 and verse 15. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered greatly. And he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot, where the harlot sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. Wow, persecution. There's going to be another massive global Reich, Empire Kingdom, and another Holocaust, isn't there? Yes, and if that's true, and it is, then persecution against God's people will increase as we get closer to the seven-year tribulation period. That's why I included a couple of news articles, number one, about the London School of Economics, you know, uh, an influential school, erasing all vestiges to, you know, uh, Christmas holiday, etc., um, and just calling it a winter break, and they're they're scrubbing Christianity, you know, completely out of their uh, promotional literature because it might be hateful, so, so called. 
And then there's another article there about Jack Phillips, who's in the news again, Masterpiece Cake, Colorado cake decorator, is uh, an appeals court ruled against him. And he's being, you know, put into what I would call coerced speech again, where he's being forced to bake a cake for a trans wedding. That would be the equivalent, by the way, of going into a Nazi uh, cake decorator, uh, excuse me, a Jewish cake decorator and demanding a cake for a Nazi rally. That's in essence what they're putting Jack Phillips through. And they're trying to use the force of law to do it. And well, then what, the if third you, what if you went into an LGBTQ owned bakery and said, make me a cake with a cross and John 14, six. Or how about better yet? How, how about, how about make me one with Romans one and the verse where it talks about, uh, this is an abomination. This is what, you know, th they will do that are dark and hearted fools, uh, and, and give Romans one and the, the verse around verse 20 in there that talks about what God thinks of LGBTQ agenda. I mean, could you force them to bake such a cake and decorate such a cake? I would, I would think not. The courts would probably say, no, that's intolerant hate speech and you're harassing them. Well, yeah. And plus our side doesn't go in, go into other people's establishments and harass them. No, that's exactly right. Try that's to exactly drag them through right. the mud. But these people have made a career out of it against us. By the way, they haven't done this yet to a Muslim baker that I know of. You know, why don't they go into a Muslim bakery and demand a homosexual cake? You know, that kind of thing never happens. It seems to always be targeted against evangelical Christians. Of course it is. And then the third article that I had there was um, this guy, Mark Pauk. You've probably covered this, I'm sure. Um that's his ministry. Um, that's his beautiful family. But his ministry is basically to try to, in a conversational style, uh, dissuade women from going into an abortion mill, you know, to have an abortion. And what happened there was um, a, a pro-abortion individual came up as he was trying to do this and threatened his son, said a bunch of vile things to his son, the things that were said to his son, who was 12 is so vile, I couldn't even repeat it here on the, the air. But he basically said, leave my son alone. Leave my 12-year-old son alone. The guy wouldn't, and so he pushed him back. He just pushed him out of the way. So apparently, because he did that, he ran afoul of the FACE law, uh, which uh, basically prevents people from physically obstructing women from having an abortion. Interestingly, this didn't even happen near the abortion clinic entrance. It happened on a nearby, not even a nearby, but on a street corner. And so 15 uh, cars from the Department of Justice showed up at his house and pounded on the door at 6.45 a.m. in the morning. And um, there, there's him and his wife you know, his wife, I guess, is in her bathrobe and they they come in and they shackle him and they put him under arrest. And fortunately, this case uh, went all the way into the judicial system. And lo and behold, he beat the Department of Justice. Um, and people say, well, that's a big victory. Well, it's not because the case should have never gotten that far to begin with here in uh, supposedly the free United States of America. So it's just an example how they're taking federal law, ripping it out of context, and weaponizing it selectively against people that hold a politically incorrect view 
on abortion and a number of other topics. Well, that chart there shows you the birth pangs of Matthew 24. All right. And it, and I believe that those birth pangs or pangs is describing the six seal judgments in Revelation 6. I think they're one in the same. And I'm focused here on number five, uh, the fifth birth pang and the fifth seal judgment involves massive martyrdoms. You'll see that described in both passages. In other words, I think these are parallel passages speaking of the same thing. I mean, that that's the famous passage that you know, Brandon, about the martyrs under the altar saying, you know, crying out for vengeance, and they're told to wait a while until their number is made complete. And if those passages are going to have a fulfillment, they're not going to have a fulfillment in a vacuum. The, um, mar- the intensity of the hatred and the physical persecution against God's people is not going to go away. It's going to ramp up and it's going to intensify as we get closer to the end of the age. And so I look at these things that the Department of Justice is doing, the way it's being weaponized, the things happening to Jack Phillips um, is just, pardon the expression, icing on the cake for, for greater things that are to come in terms of persecution. Wow. All right, let's go to the next one. Uh, you put in here the six seals, Revelation 6. Why? Yeah, that, yeah. well, that's just another description of number five. Okay. I was just trying to show people, you know, because I, I try to, when I cover these things, I try not to just cover the news just for the sake of the news. Um, other people do that much better than me. I'm trying to show how a lot of the news items are fitting into a prophetic pattern. Yeah. And absolutely. I can't, I can't, I can't do that unless I start from the perspective of the Bible. Absolutely. All right. So we went from Israel, globalism, persecution, now cashless society, Revelation 13, 16 through 18. We all know it uh, to be given a mark on their right hand or their forehead. So no one's going to be able to buy or sell without that. And he causes all the small and the great, the rich and the poor, the free and the slaves. What, what do you think it means by the slaves? Who are the slaves in this passage, you think? Well, you know, what's interesting is, um, I can't remember the exact number. I think it's, last time I checked, it's almost half the countries of the world have not outlawed slavery. And that's kind of a rebuke to the critical race theory people, because they're all upset about slavery in America when we actually did something to stop it. But slavery is alive and well in Muslim countries. And, of course, we have um, child trafficking Sex slavery, uh, Houston, where I'm sitting, is a big, um, you know, hot spot for that kind of thing. So as much as we would like to think slavery is a thing of the past, I look at slavery as alive and well today. But the fact, and, the fact that it's mentioned in the Bible as its own classification would lead one to think that this has become a big global issue, right? Slaves. And so yeah. one wonders if this has to do with the expansion of Islam, the growth and expansion of Islam and the red-green axis, Right. So we've got, we've got um, the red-green axis working around the world, and right here in America, Islam and Marxism to destroy America, to bring down the great Satan, America. And then, of course, they go after Israel. Um, do you believe this has something to do with marking the expansion of Islam, perhaps, which is known for slavery? And where is this in the tribulation point that this is given versus when Gog and Magog occurs and the Islamic nations are largely wiped out? Well, this to me is a second half of the tribulation type of thing. But, you know, the truth of the matter is you can't have a fulfillment of this prophecy literally without slavery. Where 
where in the, uh, do you believe this um, Gog Magog occurs, the wiping out of the Islamic nations largely, I mean, to a point where they don't seem to have a whole lot of clout anymore, because the dead of Israel's enemies are in their border, just those in their borders takes them like six months to bury. Where does that occur, you think, in relation to Revelation 13? The reason I'm trying to get to it is to see, you know, ha have the Islamic nations lost a lot of their clout, which, is, which enslaves people, or is this passage still relevant for Islam? Well, I think it is still relevant for Islam because my view on the timing of Ezekiel 38 and 39 is sort of frustrating to people because they, most people see Ezekiel 38 and 39 as a singular event. I, I do not. I think it brackets the outer edges of the tribulation period. And so the, the beginning of the process is the second seal judgment. When war breaks out, that's another description of the initial invasion. In Ezekiel 38, and then Ezekiel 38 and 39 is not going to tell you everything in the tribulation period itself until you get to chapter 39, which is the end of the process. So with that being said, I think Islam could still be around and alive and well when Revelation 13, 16 through 18 is coming into focus. Wow. All right, here we go. New York Fed launches 12-week Central Bank Digital Currency Pilot Program with major banks, which we've reported on that. Hey, I've got even bigger news for you today. It came out yesterday that we reported Egypt is now going to join the BRICS banking system. That is big news. You're not really hearing about it in too many places. I mean, have you been hearing about that, Dr. Woods? No, no, I haven't. But, but you, know what a, you know what a big deal it is that Egypt and Saudi Arabia and probably Argentina are all joining this BRICS banking system to create a new global currency, largely probably backed by gold, which is why China and Russia are loading up their vaults with gold, which is going to then put pressure on the Western countries. Who's going to want our paper money, our monopoly money backed by nothing when there's no petrodollar anymore? When it's not backed by gold, uh, uh, oil, it's backed by nothing then. And, and the world is looking at the BRICS banking system, which has a new currency. They've got the oil markets involved over there. If they get OPEC to fully go along, then they've got something you can trade with that's actually backed by a real hard asset, oil and gold. I mean, you want to talk about an economic war to crash America, but where is the news? Hey, big news. Egypt is going to join the BRICS banking system. I mean, this is a big deal. Yeah, and that may be the explanation why we don't see the influence of the United States, you know, in the pages of Bible prophecy. I, I also did report, not on the notes I sent you, but on a prior show, that Russia and Iran were in the process of forming a new regional currency backed by gold as well. That's right. That's exactly right. So we got cashless. We're on cashless. We were, we were uh, dealing with Israel globalism, persecution. Now we're on to cashless. And that's why we're showing in New York Fed, 12-week CBDC pilot program with major banks. Nigeria limit cash withdrawals, limits cash withdrawals to $45 per day in central bank digital currency, digital banking push, something we reported about a month or so ago, folks. And again, something you're going to see here, I believe. You're going to see capital controls. And people are going to be shocked when they cannot move large sums of money out of their bank account to pay cash for a new car, uh, to pay off their house, uh, or to buy a new house. And there's all these capital controls that have been put in for a period of time. I don't know how long, 
but capital controls being put in. And you're going to have to get special permission, probably. You're closing on a house, then they may give you special permission. You don't know. Because again, remember, folks, in the small print, I'm told by the financial experts, you're an uninsured creditor. <coughs> and again, we already have seen the FDIC report on camera, November 2022. There are going to be bail-ins. There will be bank runs. What are they going to do to stop it, folks? Uh, dethroning cash is king. How digital payments are enabling a shift away from the cash economy. That's from the World Economic Forum's website. So we're seeing all that line up. Here we go. Surveillance society. You, what do you want to say to us about surveillance society, Dr. Woods? Well, there's an article here um, from World Net Daily, and I think it's uh, based on another source, um, Newsbusters, if I have that right. But the title of it is, and this is a January 26th article, so it's recent, um, Artificial Intelligence is Used by the Feds to Track ISIS, initially, is now targeting conservative Americans. In other words, the technology that was developed to fight disinformation um, on the internet, social media, etc., during the Arab Spring, is now being used, according to this article, against the American population. So we're living in a time period where the weapons of warfare are now being turned against um, American citizens. It's, it reminds me of the Patriot Act. Right. I mean, I mean, no one suspected that the Patriot Act would be turned on the Patriots. <laughs> I thought that was to fight. Uh, Although Islamic. I have to I have to tell you there were some of us I yeah. and then also pretty quick right out of the shoot I was interviewing Kirby Anderson and Kirby Anderson back then and we were openly talking about the Patriot Act and our concerns so but but if you talk like that you got ridiculed people oh, yeah. e even the patriots ridiculed you for coming against the Patriot Act. Because I guess if you're coming against the Patriot Act, you must not be a patriot, right? You must be for Islam. Right. Because it happened after 9-11. And we were saying, wait a minute. Uh, you realize this is a double-edged sword. Do you want George W. to have these powers? Some of you are comfortable with that. How about Hillary Clinton? You know, How about mm -hmm. someone like her? And we were making that argument back then, but a lot of people didn't see it. But boy, they see it now, don't they? Well, they see it now because look at the J6 protesters exactly. that are languishing in jail. I mean, ask yourself this. How can you take people in America, jail them, and totally suspend their constitutional rights in the process? The answer is the Patriot Act, which was given to us, by the way, by a Republican uh, administration. That's right. And so be careful about folks giving government these powers because eventually – given the defective nature of human beings, um, they will turn those powers uh, onto people that they were never initially designed for. Absolutely. And that's what's, that's what's happening here with this artificial intelligence. Absolutely. All right, the last one is Marxism. Here's an article. California Democrats consider wealth tax, including for people who moved out of state. <laughs> They're going to go try to track down the people that moved out of state? Are you kidding me? Yeah, remember the song Hotel California? I do. You know, you, I'm not going to sing it for you. you. You can sing it. You've got the singing talent, not me. But, uh, you know, you can check in, but you can't check out Hotel California. <laughs> remember that? Um, this is what this reminds me of. Um, first of all, we're going to do a wealth. First of all, we're going to run the state into the ground because we've got one party rule. Secondly, when people leave, we're going to punish them for it. 
and track them down and tax them under the guise of a of a wealth tax. And if that's not Marxism, I really don't know what is. And um, as California goes, so goes the rest of the world. And so if one world Marxism is going to exist in the last days, and I think it will exist in some form, according to Revelation 13, 16 through 18, we need to be on the lookout for it rearing its ugly head all over the world, which it has. And there it is right there in the, the Hotel California. Titus 2, verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. So we're not, yeah. we're, not we're not doom and gloom, are we? No, we're we're realists. We're realists, that's and, right. And um, as the late Adrian Rogers would say, the world is growing gloriously dark because against the panorama of all of these dark things that Bible prophecy predicts is the morning star. And do a, do a study on the morning star sometime. It's the star that is very bright, that appears at the darkest moment. And that's what the rapture is. Right. Jesus is that morning star, and he's made us a promise. He hasn't promised us that our lives will be easy, but he has promised us to snatch us out of the world before the wrath of God hits. And this world is being set up for God's wrath and before that comes, we have the promise that Jesus is returning to take us out of the world. So I don't look at these signs as, oh, no, the world's falling apart. I look at it as things are actually falling into place. Mm -hmm. 